We'll share some thoughts with the community.
afternoon, everybody. Uh, just going about to share some thoughts on the communion. Uh, there are two uh, main reasons why we take the communion. First one is uh, in recognition, in thanksgiving of the offering of Christ's body as a ransom for many. And also the second reason we look at is well, is that he is coming back for us. Uh, if we look at in, uh, in our Bibles, Matthew chapter 9, verses 14 and 15. Okay, Matthew chapter 9, verses 14 and 15 reads thus. Then then John's disciples came and asked him, How is it that we and the Pharisees fast often, but your disciples do not fast? Jesus answered, How can the guests of the bridegroom mourn while he is with them? The time will come when the bridegroom will be taken taken from them. Then they will fast. Okay, just going to go back in the beginning, in the Garden of Eden, where everything was perfect. God was in, man was in, God was in perfect harmony with man. And as a result of sin, that relationship, that harmony was broken. And as a result of that, having, we're having to call out to God on a regular basis in order to, in order to have some sort of semblance of um, harmony with him or relationship. If we also look in John chapter 16, verses 16, 19 and 20. Which reads, which reads thus. Jesus went on to say, in a little while you will see me no more. Then after a little while you will see me. And then we skip down to verse 19. Jesus saw that they wanted to ask him about this. So he said unto them, Are you asking one another what I meant when I said, In a little while you will see me no more, then after a little while you will see me? Very truly, I tell you, you will weep and mourn while the world rejoices. You will grieve, but your grief will turn to joy. As we know, with the presence of Jesus, wherever he goes, it's peace, perfect harmony, the effects that he had on people, people that were ill, were brought to life, people whose life was riddled with sin, sins were forgiven, and their lives were completely transformed. Even the very demons in his presence would shudder. And for this, and for this reason, that's why there wasn't really any reason to you know, pray, because his presence is there. But, when it's, but once he's taken away... Then we have to call out on the Lord. And um, when Jesus was taking the communion with his disciples, that very time there, he said, "This um, after this time, I won't take, I won't um, communion with you again until I come back for you." And looking at the reason, well, why has why has Jesus gone away? If we look at in the, if we look at in our Bibles, John chapter fourteen, verses one to four. Which reads, 
Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you may also be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. So this is the reason why God has gone away, uh, which, is, which is temporary, which is to prepare a place for us in paradise when he comes back for us. And for the reason of taking the communion is to be forever grateful where we're coming from as sinners because we were destined to doom and destruction, destined for death. That was our, our destiny. But because of his love, you know, we were turned away from that. But also on top of that, where we will be with him in glory, he's preparing that place for us. So whilst he's doing that, there's a lot of grief and trouble and strife. Um, in the previous scripture, it talks about the world rejoicing. It's talking about the world because it's against God's people. They'll do, any, they'll do as much as they can to oppress us. But it's a matter of withholding and remembering the promise. Although we go through the troubles that the world throws at us, those Satan and his minion throws at us, God, Jesus is coming back for us. And when he comes back for us, all that we are going through, all this will be dissipated. All this... All this will be finished once and for all. At this time, I'm going to pray for the bread at this time. Lord, we thank you for the body of your Son, O God, which was broken up for us, O God, to appease, O Lord, the sins, O Father, that we have committed against you. We thank you for this great act of love and mercy. And we pray, O Lord, as we partake in the body, taking off the body of your Son, O God, that forever grateful for what you've done for us. And also looking at the, and also looking towards the promise, O Father, that he is coming back for us. This is our prayer in your Son's name. Amen. At this time, I'm going to pray for the wine. Lord, we thank you for the blood of your son Jesus was was poured out as a ransom for many. God, we thank you for the cleansing power, the blood of your son. Oh God, through which, oh Lord, we can be transformed. Through which, oh Father, our very many sins can be covered. Oh Lord, we thank you for this, oh God, and also continue to look forward to to, uh, his coming to his return. In your son's name, amen.
Let's stand in a moment. Uh, great, guys. Good afternoon. It is great to be. I can't tell you how great it is to be here. It's great to be here. Um, the spirit is moving. I speak that language. I've never heard that song before. I did a gap year in South Africa. I actually learned Kosa. You say Kosa, right? That's just, I've never heard that. The spirit is moving today, guys, in ways I had no idea what is going on. But uh, I came here this weekend to encourage and just see and fellowship with my brother, Forrest. We've been trying to get together for a while. And I was coming up for the school of missions. I was like, he's like, next time you're in England, come up and see me. I ended up ditching the school of missions. I just thought I'd come and see my brother. So it's been great. I arrived yesterday. been great. Um, I bring great news from uh, Belfast. You can be turning your Bibles to Luke chapter 5. I know you're preaching through Luke. We did that for the last two years. We preached through Luke. It's so good. We'd kind of just pause on a couple of verses for like a week. And then it'd be like another few verses. Jesus' words are so deep. And uh, we had a great time. And so uh, I'm really encouraged that you're doing that. The title is, Don't Miss Out on the Power of Jesus. Okay, you can see from the picture what we're talking about. So this is, this is my family. They can't all be here. They said, love my wife, um, 
Joe and my, my kids, Isaiah and Psalm, Isaiah's eight now and Psalm is six. They're over in Belfast, so, so we leave the church over in, in Belfast, Northern Ireland. And then we just couldn't work out the deal and the flights and all that. And uh, I've got to stay around for some other things in England. So, uh, But they send their love, and that's on Giant's Causeway. You guys have got to come to Northern Ireland. If you haven't been, Giant's Causeway is a beautiful place. Um, but they're doing well. And um, this is some of the leaders up there. We did a walk up on a, this is called uh, Sleeve Donna. This is one of the, the mountains and the mourns. It's like in between kind of the south, southern island and northern island. And that's with uh, Jim, James and Dan. They're, they're, that's kind of my, they're like my surrogate elders. They kind of hold me together. And they're great. We did like a father and son day out kind of up this great, uh, this great mountain. I don't know how they built a wall up there. I still can't figure that out. Um, and then this is, this is a church. Uh, kind of not, not, there's a lot of visitors there. There's a lot of friends. That was at a retreat last uh, April time where, where Naomi's mum and dad, Paul and Jemima Rowden, Paul and Elder from our church in London, came out and they led our retreat for us. And, and that, it was a great time. That's, that's in a place called Kiel Kiel. That's kind of with some of the mountains in the background. But, uh, but it's been great. We've seen great victories there. Um, we, you know, the Christmas service, we had a Christmas midweek. And I, was, I just said, like, you know, if you're going to come a Christian this year, please stand up. And like a third of the church stood up. And you're like, no way, what is God doing here? We were just like in, in awe of God's moving in different ways. Belfast, we need your prayers. We need your prayers. So so this is this is what you should come and see in Belfast, okay? It's got like the Titanic court to this cool place where the Game of Thrones is kind of set there. I don't, I don't watch it either because it's worldly, but, but it's like the world is coming there to film because of the locations. They just filmed Star Wars off Malin Head, off the, the, the one that's coming out in December that was filmed at the, at the north coast of Ireland. And um, they've got like a film studio. Disney are now going to build a studio there. There's like these famous cranes and like it's just beautiful. There's Queen University and like it's surrounded by these big hills and mountains there's a place called Cave Hill there this big jutting rock that you can just walk up like you can get there from the city in minutes it's a beautiful beautiful place so, so it's, it's you're like why do, I, why do we need your prayers bro it seems like a cool place to live right so this is the other side of Belfast okay <laughs> So this is what you probably know about when I told my parents, hey, I'm going back in the ministry, mom, dad, and they're sending me to Belfast. They were like, whoa, you know, like, it was like Belfast, man. Didn't we grow up just watching bombs go off in Belfast? Yeah, mom, but it's different now. It's, you know, and like, you know, but this is still, there is a legacy there. And it is a divided land. Okay, there's about 50% Protestant background, 50% Catholic background, okay? And you know it, it's a political thing, it's not even religious. So if you're Catholic, you're generally Republican, you don't want the British there. If you're a Protestant, you're generally loyalist to the throne and you don't want to be part of Ireland, you want to stay UK. So we live in this land where it throws up a lot of complications where we meet for church, how you reach out. You know, always the first word, we're a non-denominational church. And, uh, and, and the Holy Spirit is moved so for us to convert the church is pretty much half Catholic background half Protestant background so when you share like and, and again we were sent there I was like Mohan really Belfast we got there I'm from a Protestant background and my wife grew, grew up in South Africa from a Catholic background we were like no way this is just perfect and, and most of those leaders I showed you they're, they're what's called a mixed marriage I'll leave you to figure that out anyway. It's another world, okay? So, so we need your prayers because we've got to break into some of these communities and, and sometimes you get some different vibes. And, you know, but the main thing is when you preach the gospel in a place like this, it shines. 
When you draw the scriptures out and you show what true salvation is about, what true doctrine is about, it shines because people haven't seen it before because they're like, well, you're not that and you're not that. No, we're Jesus. Like we're about Jesus. And it's so, so powerful. But, but we need prayers. And that wall there where it says peace by peace, that's like a, a 40 foot high wall that divides some of the communities on the Shankill and the Falls Road to this day. Like they close gates at five o'clock every night because they don't trust each other still. I mean, like we got to pray for the walls to come down still there, guys. So, uh, but I, it's been an incredible time. We've been there for two years. As, um, before I said I was baptized in Manchester, I, I was actually, there's a lot of love in the room. I was engaged in Birmingham. Yeah. So maybe it's catching, right? Like, I carry a piece of Birmingham around on my finger every day of my life. The jewelry quarter, right? That's where I bought my, that's where we bought our wedding rings. I mean, this is where we got engaged. Um, we got engaged in Glasgow. That was another story. We got on the mission to Glasgow, but we had our engaged life in, in Birmingham. And then we went on the mission team to Glasgow. But it's great to be back here. And, uh, and it's great just to be sent out somewhere. It was always a, a dream to go on another mission team. That's only possible with, with, with you guys and us guys all giving. I know you guys are taking up a collection in May. I just want to put a pl- please give. Like we're funded by that. Our prayer is that the church will be self-supporting in Belfast in the next couple of years. That's like a miracle prayer. We're only like 30 odd. We, the church has more than doubled, but we're still small. But uh, please give, you know. Um, we just had another couple arrive in Dublin, which is the other church on the island, okay? It's about two hours south, obviously, in the Republic of Ireland. Again, an incredible testimony. When you share with a guy in the north, oh, we have a church in Dublin. They're like, but that's in the south. That's like Catholic land. Or, you know, that's like another country. And we're like, yeah, because it's the kingdom of God. And but we've got other places to plant. And, uh, but the Butterfields, Arlie and Maggie have just arrived there, funded by that very same pot of money. So please just give in May. That's what it goes towards. It goes towards us trying to change some of these communities from being wearing balaclavas to wearing the clothes of Christ. Amen. So um, let's 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 get into the Bible here. Let's uh, the title is "Don't Miss Out on the Power of Jesus." Now, if you're a point taker, I don't have any points today. I've got a couple of questions that I'm going to throw down at the end. Okay, so bear with me. They should be fairly obvious questions as I go through it. But I got to say that because I'm a bit OCD and I want to know that, and so I'm sharing that with you guys. Okay, um, let's pray before we read. Let's pray that prayers uh, as we open the Bible now. Father, I just want to uh, lift uh, this text before you, God. I'm so grateful to, to, be, uh, to be your son, God. I'm grateful to, to know your grace, to, to know that you're coming back for me. That you've not left me, you're coming back for me. I love that, God. And I, I love singing songs to you. I thank you for this, this wonderful church in Birmingham. That's uh, uh, so many friends and family here, God. I'm touched. Uh, to see the faces, to hug uh, my brothers and sisters in Christ, God. Uh, thank you for the fellowship we have, the unity that we have. Lord, uh, be with me as I speak. Help me say uh, what you want me to say, God. Take out of the message what you don't want me to say, God. Help me speak uh, and lift out these, these pastures as, as they would have done in the first century. Uh, it's in your name I pray. Amen. Amen. So uh, let's read. We're in Luke chapter 5, and um, we're going to pick it up in verse uh, 17. So a little bit of background. I know uh, you've been following this through. So Jesus just healed a man with leprosy. You know, he made this bold claim, be, be cleansed or be clean, uh, which you know, kind of had a double meaning of sins and health, you know, and health, like this kind of, Jesus often, people often say, did Jesus heal the sick or did he, was he more about ministry and salvation? He was both. He was both. We're going we're gonna to get into that more. Uh, like, I love Luke because it doesn't relent. It, Jesus just keeps coming with the gospel. 
Um, but let's pick it up in verse 17. One day he was teaching. I'm reading from the New American Standard Bible. And there were some Pharisees and teachers of the law sitting there who had come from every village of Galilee and Judea and from Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was present for him to perform healing. And some men were carrying on a bed a man who was paralyzed. And they were trying to bring him in and to set him down in front of him. But not finding any way to bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and let him down through the towels with his stretcher into the middle of the crowd in front of Jesus. Bang on the money. Seeing their faith, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven you. The scribes and the Pharisees began to reason, saying, who is this man who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But Jesus, aware of their reasonings, answered and said to them, Why are you reasoning in your hearts? Which is easier to say, your sins have been forgiven you? Or to say, get up and walk? But so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, get up and pick up your stretcher and go home. Immediately he got up before them and picked up what he had been lying on and went home glorifying God. They were all struck with astonishment and began glorifying God. And they were filled with fear saying, we have seen remarkable things today. You know, this is the first time the Pharisees are mentioned in Luke's gospel. It's the first time we kind of see them. And we know a little bit about them. Sometimes we knock them a little bit. But they make quite an effort to be here. These are guys who are looking for the kingdom of God. They're they're, they're Jews. They're they're dressed in religious ways. They're trying to follow the Old Testament. uh, But they are looking. There's a seeking going on. So they travel from far and wide to get here. You know, um, and this miracle happens, you know. Jesus preaches with power. And this man is healed. We'll talk more about the power later. You know, miracles are happening, people. Are we, are we praying for miracles? Like, there's miracles happening everywhere. I'm going to share a bit about miracles. But guys, I'm not talking about, you know, what are you talking about? You want to seize the part? I'm not talking, we have the miracle here about, we don't need that kind of miracle. But miracles of people becoming Christians, of sins being repented of, of people being restored. Guys, we've got to just pray for God to do this. The power is in Him. You know, and when miracles happen, everybody's amazed, right? They're like, whoa, like, almost like in a fear. Like this word kind of means, like they were like, it's like ecstasy, like what? They're like incredible. You know, and, uh, and, and these Pharisees are gathered like at the front. There's other guys around, but, but they got the front seats. They're like, man, I, I, you know, I want to see this. Now, as I said, we can look down the Pharisees. There are different scriptures. If you write down Luke 13, 31, it says uh, at some time the Pharisees warned Jesus and said, leave this place and go because Herod wants to kill you. There are times where the Pharisees actually helped Jesus out. We can have like, this kind of blanket view of the Pharisees. It ain't so simple as that. Sometimes we, we've got to understand this. There's other times where Jesus obviously eats with them. We think about times where he goes in and he's invited to the house. It's not like, no, you're Pharisees. Amen. We've got to go and eat with people and host people in our homes. Amen. Amen. That was just for the married couples around because the singles and the students are like, amen, amen. They're like, you know, we got to do that. Um, you know, the, the, the Pharisees were trying, really trying to be holy and to stay holy and to stand out for the sake of God, trying to just be countercultural, trying to, trying to be radical in their holiness that, that it might bring Jehovah back and maybe at the same time kick these Gentiles out the land. <laughs> I mean, there was in there, they weren't actually like holistically loving God in that way, but, but, but that was their, their focus, the coming of the kingdom of God. And that's why they're there. They want to see that. And this is what Jesus is all about. He's like, I'm bringing the kingdom, you know? And they're, and they're like right at the front, okay, let's check it out. 
You know, sometimes like, I sit at the front of my church or God's church in Belfast, but where, where I'm leading, I'm like, I'm like, you know, and my sin is ever before me. It's funny when you got a front row seat, it doesn't always mean that you're holier than that. In fact, the other on Sunday we had some visitors come. We had like eight students come out. It was phenomenal. And then it, well, one of the students is fellowshiping. My son is wrestling a boy to the ground, like pinning him down, like you know, trying to submit, submit. And when I'm like, gosh, no. Then the student turns around, and goes, oh, I love this church. It's so friendly. <laughs> You know, you know, it, you know, it, you know, it doesn't always mean that that like you know we're 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 holier than that because we're at the front. You know, I'm still trying to figure so much stuff out, man. I'm a leader, but I don't know. You know, I'm still trying to figure out why gentleness is in the fruits of the spirit. You know, I'm just I'm still figuring stuff out about life and about how to deal with that son as he wrestles without raising my voice or getting so frustrated and thinking like you know we're not perfect. And, 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 and these Pharisees at the front row, now they're not there to lead the congregation. I sit, I sit towards the front because I'm like, you know, maybe someone drops the mic or I'm here to serve, I want to help out. These Pharisees aren't there for that reason. No, they're not there to learn. They're there to be skeptical and cynical because the kingdom of God is not coming according, according to their remit. There's a cynicism about them that, no, we don't want to learn. We don't want to lead on the, on the words of Jesus. We want to, in fact, find some faults with Jesus. Let's start having a go at this guy and see, is he really the Messiah? What blasphemy? What, what is this? Coming on with this. Jude talks about these guys. You, you'll find them being fault finders, even amongst us. Ultimately, these, these Pharisees, if we take it down, the, the journey as we'll go through Luke, you'll see, they end up refusing the divinity of Christ. They miss the power of God. For the sake of something that they want to pick out and expose. Now, guys, as leaders, you can pick out 15 million things about me. I can tell you right now. I've been working on self-control. I worked on patience, fruits of the Spirit, two years ago. And I grew in my patience. I was like, man, I felt like I'd grown in, in, in eagerly anticipating God's hand working without being frustrated. And, like, and I grew in that. Then I tried to work on self-control last year. And I just didn't grow in it. I felt like, man, I was still as angry at the end of the year, at the end of the year when a, a so-called crisis came around than I was at the beginning of the year. So I'm now in my second year of working at self-control. So pray for me. I mean, like, like we, we're growing. You, you want to find faults? Man, I'm like a target. You could hit anywhere. You could find one. You know, but, but is that our heart today? Is there a pharisaical nature? You know, if you're looking for stumbling, you will find it. We all have so much to change. We actually should lead out of weakness, not strength. So when someone leads me, oh, I told you, you know what, I knew that was you. And yeah, that's right. Praise God for Jesus. But we can have this kind of almost feel superior for a while. I found, yeah, that guy's knocked that guy down. And then, you know what, with that attitude, you just stagnate. And that's what you see in the Pharisees. They'll find fault and then they don't grow anywhere. In fact, they just harden. It just hardens and they end up trying to kill Jesus. You know, it, it, we've got to be careful. I have a very critical bent, like in my, in my, my psyche. You know, a few years ago, about 10 years ago, I was in southeast London, uh, baptized in Manchester, spent some time in Birmingham, Glasgow, down to London. And um, there was a preacher up and he preached, and I just, I just kind of got it in my critical thinking and my political mind, which I had to repent of when I became a Christian, but it's still there and come back, that I didn't like what he was saying. He wasn't my favorite preacher. So instead of being mature and going, well, even though that guy doesn't preach to my style, he's preaching the word of God. What can I take out of it? Which I've learned to do since then. Amen. 
I started just picking faults and you know what and, and he was quite a robust guy so I thought no one else is challenging I'm going to do it so he'd step off the pulpit and I'd be there to meet him and I'd be like so I got like three points you had three points I've got three points I thought June, 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 June you know and I, and I was like man and it took another another leader to come in and chat with me and very softly just said man Mo you're prickly you know like, like people like on eggshells around you, you know. You say something, and I, I say something that's not right. Something is a fault. Like, like maybe the problem's more with you. I was like, oh wow! Oh gosh! And prayerfully, I had enough humility, a strained mustard seed of humility, let alone faith, to kind of take that on and go, yeah, you know what? And so I went and apologized to the brother. Like it took me time, but I repented. And I went and apologized, and I sat with him, and I said, Tokes who's an elder in our church, I said, it's my sin, guys. I said, I said, Tokes, I'm so sorry, man. I've been, I've been criticized. I've even been divisive behind your back. I've got to confess that. And Tokes said, that's okay. Do you want to lead the teen ministry? And I was like, whoa. And that's where the grace of God always comes in. And Tokes is a gracious guy. Praise God. But we got to be careful with this stuff. If, that, if, you, if there's Holy Spirit conviction on that, be convicted. Be convicted. Like, like we got to, you know, it's no wrong to judge, but take the plank out, so you won't see anything, right? You know, so the, this is the audience we, we've got in this scene. We've got these Pharisees, you know, going on, but then the, 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 the roof opens up, right? And this, this guy comes through, and they're like, whoa, no way. Everybody's like, no, what's going on? And they land, in, like I said, they, they, these guys must have been so fired up. They're like, well, we got it right in front of Jesus, man. That's, yeah, man, like, great lowering skills or whatever, I don't know how they achieve that. And then, and then Jesus makes a statement, you know, like your sins are forgiven. Man, he's like, like imagine, he's like, man, forgiven, absolutely. This is awesome. Who would be cynical of that? Who would criticize that? Well, the Pharisees, right? They're ready to lay into it. And they start thinking to themselves, and this word of them reasoning and dialoguing is like wrestling with the logic of it. They can't quite understand the logic because the kingdom of God has to come their way. And if it doesn't match up with their way, it's a bit like reasoning with atheists. I was an atheist. And I reasoned in a certain way. And if I didn't believe in the supernatural. Therefore, even though the prophecies are, are this Bible is a miracle-filled book, Prophecies fulfilled thousands of years later. Boy, you know, even though that would happen, I'd be like, but I don't believe in the supernatural. So, well, you've got to change your reasoning then, right? And that's what I had to do and go, no, there is something beyond what we see, feel, and touch, right? And that's the supernatural. That's the spiritual realm. So these guys, don't, they don't get that. They're like, no, kingdom of God has to be, it doesn't fit into our remit. What do we do here? And so they start the criticism. You know, and Jesus used another phrase here, son of man. And uh, Jesus isn't trying to be humble here, it's the opposite. He's actually referring to this scripture. In Daniel 7, in my vision at night, I looked and there before me was one like a son of man. Coming with the clouds of heaven, he approached the ancient of days and was led into his presence. He was given authority, glory and sovereign power. All nations and peoples of every language worshipped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away. And his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. And, and they, even their reasoning of the Pharisees may have had like chapters, you can study out Daniel 5, 6, 7, 8. They may have been thinking like, whoa, what, this guy, kingdom, whoa. But then he says, son of man, they're like, whoa, hold on a minute. And, and, and Jesus throwing that in there to get them to think about this. Like, what, what, you know, this guy must have divine power. This, this kingdom is not just going to come, but it's going to be everlasting. Like what Jesus is, 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 is ushering in this. And then they're like, no, this, this is too much. And then, but, but rather than getting stuck on that, they get stuck on this. What is easier to say? Your sins are forgiven 
but to say, get up and walk. And this is what Jesus throws at them. And they're like, you know, uh, okay, so Jesus has done this miracle. He said, I'm the son of man. So, so like with everything, again, in their logical thinking, these Pharisees, and as we can be even today, it's not wrong to reason as long as we're open to God. We, we, we reason, we go, well, if, if he says he's the son of man, then we want to see some validation. Show us the money. Right? You know, get, come on, man, let me see something. You know, you're saying this, let me see something. So Jesus is like, you want, what do you want to see? Do you want to see sins forgiven? Or do you want to see a man changed? What do you want to see? Da, 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 da. Well, it's quite easy. It's quite, it's quite hard to see sins forgiven, right? Like what's easy? It's easy to say that. But if, I, if you look at someone, you, we have no idea. On the streets of Birmingham, you walk around, you share your faith. I have no idea this guy's got sins forgiven, so I'll invite him anyway. You walk into our church, we study the Bible with you because we've got no idea if your sins are forgiven. Let's look at it according to the Bible. I, I can't tell you I'm going to a tick sign on your head. You know, so it, it's quite difficult to see. But, but it's a good question. It's a good question for us today. Is it easier to say your sins are forgiven or to get someone to change their life? It's so easy for us to say your sins are forgiven. Modern Christianity says your sins are forgiven at the drop of a hat. You can walk into some places today, you'll be called up to the front and some guy will tell you your sins are forgiven. You can meet someone on the street and they walk up to you and they lay hands on your shoulder and say your sins are forgiven. Someone will tell you, go online, say a prayer, your sins are forgiven. It's so easy to say. But what's easier, that or actually a changed life? Actually calling someone, show me the money. Your sins are forgiven, there should be repentance with fruit, John the Baptist preaches, right? So what does that look like? You know, the call is for us not just to be forgiven, but to change the entire course of ours and other people's lives. To change the pattern of sin in our lives. You know, whether it's an altar call, whether it's accepting Him as Lord, receiving Him, like praying Jesus into your heart, we then lead a weak or non-existent spiritual life, like there's no difference between us and the world. Where is the power in that? Jesus preaches, He came with power. You study our power in the Scriptures, it's all over the place. Romans 1, 1 Corinthians 4, 20, Jesus didn't just come with word, but with power. Like there's got to be something like, no way. I mean like, oh my gosh, that happened. And yet in the, in the evangelical modern Christian world, Catholic, Protestant, it ain't happening. It ain't happening. There's a great book by a guy called Ron Sider. It's called The Scandal of the Evangelical Conscience. These are some studies he did. He interviewed and surveyed and followed 12,000 evangelical Christians who did the ring thing. I'm not talking about the jewelry quarter. I'm talking about the chastity, purity ring thing. Forrest and Kenny are like, yeah, it's an American thing. That's what we do. That's what the evangelicals do in America, right? And they followed them. They said, okay, let's see how they do with that chastity thing. Now, you put on this ring as a teenager and you said, I'm not going to have sex before I'm married because I believe in Jesus. Because I prayed Jesus into my heart or I made an altar call and made a confession of faith and so I'm going to follow Jesus. So they were like, okay. So they did a survey. They followed 12,000. 88% had sex before marriage. Like, what is that? What is the point of that? What is that lip service to God when you say, oh yeah, I'm going to live, oh I love Jesus, and then you do nothing of the sort. 
It's crazy. They, 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 they followed these guys. The rate of cohabitation before marriage was about 25% for the evangelical community versus 33% for the general population living together before they married. The percentage of Christian men involved in pornography was not much different from unsaved. Now, if, you, if the Spirit's convicted you on that point, be convicted. Be convicted. We need to stand out, guys. Because maybe you're a disciple today and you don't just profess faith, but you change, you change, you change your life. Well, you're gonna, so you're not changing back again? You're no different from the world. Where's your testimony going to go? When you're sitting down with your best friend and going, yeah, yeah, my life, well, it was different, but I'm, yeah, I'm kind of still doing that stuff. You need to repent. We gotta, we gotta be, this is a warning for us. You know, the, the only thing that happened with these guys who wore the ring was the rate of sexually transmitted diseases was higher than that in the world because they had a conviction about not using contraception. Like, like Satan just got in there and went, Woo, yeah, let me get them mediocre with their faith rather than like hot or cold. You know, you'd rather just forget it or live it. Live it. Have the power of the gospel change your life. You know, where is the power in this stuff? Where is the change of life? You know, this is a Holy Spirit thing. The, the victories, the miracles we've seen in Belfast, we've seen like guys come over. You know, I don't know what I'm doing there. I don't know how to lead a small church. We were on a mission team in Glasgow for like three months. We grew, we had some good times, but I don't know what I was doing. We, I went out of the ministry, went trained as a teacher, taught for 10 years in schools. Loved that, went, thought, felt the call, go back into ministry. I'm, wow, I'm in this place. Whoa, no way, what do we do here? Well, we just share our faith and we pray, right? And we call on the Holy Spirit. And I'm telling you, all the guys I've studied the Bible with, they move more outside the studies than inside the studies. I'd love to tell you that I have this, I'm a great student of the Bible with these guys. I have these great scriptures to turn to. And do, do, do. The scriptures are great, but I don't have any. But you know what? When, when the study finishes, I'm like, on the, we have a prayer app. I'm like, guys, pray, 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 pray. And then we go, pray, 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 pray. Then we fast, 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 fast. And then like, the guy comes back to the next study, changed. And you're like, no way, he got it. He, he, got it. He, got, he got it more than we called him to get it. I even did a bad study on that, and he got it more. Wow, it's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is alive, and we're connected. Man, he's, he's changing his life. Not just professing your faith. You know, but it has to be that changed life. You know, going back to the study Ron, Ron Sider did, racism. He did a study on racism amongst the evangelical community. The question, if a black person moved to live beside you in your neighborhood the question was would you try and stop that bold question right? I mean we're like, we're like what why would you ask that the highest group of people who would step in and try and do something to stop that was southern baptist next to that evangelical so-called born-again christians next to that hindus jews you name it any other group any, Way, way more mixed. Like guys, we, we, I, I, praise God for the kingdom. Praise God that I can look out there with colorblind glasses. But see this mix and that our Bible talks are mixed. And that our students, I see that photo of the students up there. And it's just like, you know, like some scattergun of paintballing's gone on. And I love that. Love that about the kingdom. You know, love that. We've got to embrace that. That is a changed life. Jesus is changed. We, we don't want to be this religious, say your sins are forgiven, but not change. You know, you can study out 2 Timothy 3. I've got it up here. Uh, 1 to 6. 
It's talking about sins. It's funny. Verse 1 says, Mind this, there will be terrible times in the last days. If we just pause it there, if we stop the verse 1, and we were like, you'd think like some list of like gross murder is going to come. And then he goes, people would be lovers of themselves, lovers of money. Like these are as gross teens be convicted. You, you've grown up in the church, this is your list. More than my list was like drugs and sex immorality and, you know, other evils. But these are, these are evils just the same. But what he's saying here, Paul to Timothy, is that people live their life like this in a religious context, having a form of godliness, but denying its power. No power! Guys, we've got to embrace Jesus' power. We've got to call on Jesus' power by the Holy Spirit. We've got to, when we study with people, expect the Spirit of God to change them. Call them to change. If people leave, if you want this message, might be tough for you today. Maybe you don't come back. You know what? The, you're rejecting the Word of God. Like, we've got to speak with power. We've got to share with power. We don't want this form, but actually there's no change. Well, you know what? It is challenging. I am from that background. Okay, don't despair. There is hope. Okay? Maybe you're from that background. You're like, yeah, that's the way I grew up. I just can't. My life hasn't changed. You know, we've got to have that. Like these guys on the roof, this whatever it takes attitude to get to Jesus. Well, I tried. Did you try? You know, did, did, did you try like this? Someone asked him, Lord, are only a few people going to be saved? He said to them, make every effort to enter through the narrow door. Because many, I tell you, will try to enter and will not be able to. I apologize to whoever's going to preach Luke 13. I've been stealing from Luke 13 today. But this is, this is the, the call. It's not like, oh, I just walk along. I grew up in the church. I went along. I just, yeah, guy invited me and I, yeah, I've been religious. No, it's have you made every effort? Because that's the call for us. If you have that, you will encounter Jesus. And his power will hit you between the eyes. What you do with that is up to you. But we've got to be serious about this. We've got to try to see the power of God. You've got to make every effort. You know, speak to someone here today. Whoever bore you, say, man, I want to make every effort. I want to, I've been, even in my Bible says, maybe I've been drifting around. I want to make every effort. Do it. That's the, that's what, these are Jesus' words here. And miracles can happen. You know, I saw, I can get emotional seeing your faces here, okay? Of where I've been in 19 years as a Christian. Coming through Birmingham at different times. Seeing different Manchester people here, all over. You know, my dear, my heart was moved mostly when I, I walked up the path here and I saw Miles Davis standing there. Teen camp, two years ago, I'm leading teen camp. Not on staff, we're just, me and Joe, just volunteering. Love, we don't have to be on, we're all full-time ministry guys. Some of us are paid, some of us aren't, okay? We, we'd all do that, I know you guys do that, and I, thank you for serving. So we're doing teen camp, and there's an, there's an issue where Miles has to go home. And I had to make that call. I had to phone up his dad, his dad had to travel in the middle of the night to come pick him up. I had to chat with the elders, I was like, I can't, I can't have him on camp. And I've asked him if I can share this. And it was tough, man. It was tough. And then, and then like, and I thought, man, I've got to go visit him. I've got to go visit him. The spirit was knocking me. Go visit him. Go see how he's doing. And I just couldn't get away. We went to Belfast. And I was like, bam, 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 bam. You just, you know, it, it was busy. And then, I, then his dad, I don't know if his dad messaged me. I saw on Facebook, his sister put on, I'm like, Miles is getting baptized tomorrow. And I'm like, I'm like, I'm like whoa, no way. The power of God. Like where Mars was at that time, that we sat down at like one in the morning. Me, Mike Farrell, one of the elders, his dad, and we had a very, very hard chat with Mars at that time. And it was tough. 
But to see the power of God in a, in a man's life, it's, it's powerful. You know, powerful. In Belfast, give you some stories. There's a brother called AJ, who we, we did a summer campaign. We were reaching out. I wasn't even inviting him. This is the way the Spirit works. Me and another brother were talking to a guy who's totally not interested in Jesus. But we're trying to make him interested in Jesus. But he's not interested in Jesus. And we're trying to be patient. And then AJ walks past with his mate. And they say, are you talking about church? And we're like, yeah. And he says, I'm looking for the perfect church. To which, of course, I say, well, we're trying. <laughs> but this is in there, though. It is in there. And then, so we meet with him. He, he, he was, um, he'd been through this religious experience. He'd prayed Jesus into his heart on the street. We're still, he wouldn't mind me sharing, we shared this. He's he, still taking drugs. Still, like nothing. No power. Again, like this. Sins are forgiven. Someone told him his sins are forgiven. So he but before that, he was high priest of the Luciferian church in Northern Ireland and Southern Ireland. He worshipped Lucifer. There's a church out there it's called the First Church of Satan. They call themselves the Luciferians, and they basically believe that you know they should worship Lucifer. That's his, this guy's background is like is is heavy. He came out like within within a month. The guys we're out, we're down at Helen's Bay at the beach, two in the morning, baptizing this guy. Transformed, never gone back. Another guy. Um, I want to share about Stefan, brother, the most Catholic brother I've ever met in my life. <laughs> You might be like, you don't know me. I grew up Catholic. I am Catholic today. Let me share. This guy woke up with the catechism every day. Knew all of Thomas Aquinas' writings. Like, like uh, Chesterton. Read all of Chesterton's texts. You, you don't know these guys. You got to come to Belfast. You got to know these guys. You got to do some research. And, I, and it, like, we meet him, and I'm like, I'm like, I'm so unqualified to study with this guy. Like, I have no idea. My wife grew up Catholic, but she can't be in the studies because we're going to talk about sin. And he's a man. So then, I, so I found another brother. I'm like, Daniel Doyle, come. Down, like one of our leaders up the mountain. Then he comes down, and I have no idea how we convert this guy. But he went from this, this, this again, the Holy Spirit. He went from this complete, committed, dedicated, received loads of persecution to like, to like an amazing brother. He's now preaching the word our midweeks. I mean, he's doing a great, great job. He's baptized back in June. You know, there are some incredible people. Um, James McAleese, one of our teens, never said boo to a goose. Suddenly baptized. He's like the most evangelistic guy in the church. Zara, um, she was at the team retreat recently. It's totally quiet. I mean, like, um, um, you know, just real issues with actual social interaction. Baptized, like, she's the most, like, out there serving. When are we going to help the poor? When are we going to... Like, the power of God is amazing. It's amazing. We call people to it with faith. People can change. You know, we've got to try here as disciples to get our paralyzed people to Jesus. What are we doing about that? Like, are we making every effort? Are we going the extra mile for your children, parents? What are you doing around the kitchen table? What are you doing on a, on a morning time? You know, marriage, what are you doing for your spouse? Are you, are you make, giving them the best path possible to get to heaven? Like, are you making it easier? Are you burdening it? Are you, are you an obstacle to your partner getting to heaven? You know, what are you doing? Friends, family. Sometimes you think, well, yeah, Mo, it's easier. it looks easier to go through that roof than to have another uncomfortable chat with my dad. Go and have that uncomfortable chat. Like, just try it out. It, 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 you need to go there. The power of God is there. You know, some questions to ponder. If, if we're not living this out, what are we doing? What, what, what can we do today that can mo- look more like these guys? You can change and you can change the lives of others. You know, and it, it, I, love this, I love this idea of this, this guy leaving like carrying his mat. Like the thing that, that mastered him, 
that like he, he spent his life on, he's now master of. You know, Genesis 4 verse 7 says, if you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching, your door, crouching at your door, it desires to master you. Talking about Cain. You know, we could actually master sin. You couldn't do it. Maybe you're like, no, bro, you don't. I've been, you say you struggle with self-control for two years. I've been struggling with this thing for 10 years. Amen. I see people in the Bible 12 years more. Like you can do it. The power of God but it is there. You've got to try and master it. You know, before I came to Jesus, I was mastered by pornography, sexual sin, masturbation, drugs, drink, swearing, lying, gossip, authority. Bitterness, enslaved, every day of my life was enslaved. But I was brought before Jesus and it ended. It ended. Well, you've not struggled? Yeah, I've struggled. I've had days where it's gone less. I've had weeks where it's been tough. I've had maybe months. I've not had years, but maybe you have. End it again. Recommit. Do something to get your life right with this powerful figure of Jesus. You know, it's, it's, the question for us, is the power of Jesus continuing to bring change into your life? You know, what, what is it for you that you've been able to master? Has it tried to master you again? Don't make excuses. Overcome it. You know, this is a beautiful story of the power of Jesus. It's just magnificent. The friends, we could, we, there's another 20 points we could preach about this. But, but you, if you experience the deliverance of Christ... Make every effort with the friend that you're thinking of. Make every effort with the family member you're thinking of. Make every effort to bring them to the Holy Spirit. You know, just to conclude those two questions I said, do you have a pharisaical nature thus missing the power of God? If you're convicted, if you're, you know, it's, this is the English way, cynicism, skepticism. We have, we look at our parliament. It's just arguments and da-da-da, ping-pointing. We bring that into the fellowship, boy, you are going to miss out. You're not going to see the power of God. Lastly, have you allowed that power of God to truly 100% change your life? Don't miss the power of Jesus. Thank you so much.